You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest I am so excited about because he has such a unique story, and he's also just a powerhouse. Like, he's one of those people who are, like, doing the damn thing, so I'm very, very excited to bring him on. His name is Dr. Thaddeus Gala. He initially went into natural health care to save his mom's life after she was facing a debilitating condition doctors claimed would have had her forever in a wheelchair. Now, he oversees 50,000 patient interactions every single year. And as an entrepreneur at heart, he mentors business owners and leaders on how to grow and scale their businesses. He's helped the entrepreneurs save millions in taxes and works with top financial advisors on helping business owners reduce their taxes by up to 96% every year, which I think for a lot of people, even myself included, not only is it amazing that you change the game in terms of healthcare, but you're also helping entrepreneurs from a tax perspective. So... I'm so excited for this conversation. So thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. This is great. It's exciting. So yeah, let's jump in and help a lot of people. Yeah, so what's your story? I know when we got acquainted, you gave me the full backstory, which is very interesting. But how'd you go from literally a busboy at Outback Steakhouse to a doctor <laughs> to now a business consultant? Like, I feel like you have this full circle moment of not only like starting from the bottom and now we're here type thing, but just doing really incredible things. So what's the full story? Yeah, I think it really is, you know, like the entrepreneurial journey, right? My parents homesteaded a piece of property, literally pitched a tent out in the middle of the woods in rural Oregon in the forest. They had no running water, no electricity, no roads, no phones, nothing. And this was in the 70s. And I mean, I grew up with kerosene lamps in our bedroom. We had electricity half the time. So we really grew up from not much. I mean, I don't want to say nothing because that's not entirely accurate, but we had very little and since then, my parents instilled a you know, hard work ethic. I always pushed in school and whatever it is that I was working at. And yeah, my first year at University of Oregon, I was a busboy at the Outback Steakhouse and just kept leaning in and kept always trying to do really, really good and be really productive and efficient and effective at whatever I was doing. I initially, I wanted to be a teacher and a high school sports, either basketball or track coach. So I was always into healthcare. I was wanting to go down that path. And then I thought, well, gosh, well, my mom was dealing with all these health issues. The doctor said she'd be in a wheelchair the rest of her life. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go into natural healthcare. And I went down that path. And now fast forward, you know, my mom was on full disability. She couldn't use her arms. She really was a, was a liability to the family, you know, in, in a lot of regards. She couldn't work, et cetera. And now fast forward, thankfully, she's in her 70s. She just started running and winning 5K races. Now she wins them in her age group. She's our lead health coach, and she has to find younger and younger friends to hang out with. So she's definitely my inspiration. I love her to death. And as a result, you know, we oversee about 50,000 patient visits a year, reversing everything from Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, diabetes, fibromyalgia, arthritis, migraines, you name it. And then as the entrepreneurial story would go, I looked down one day at this letter I got. And I called up my CPA and I said, I said, wait, you're telling me here I am busting my ass, working 12 hour days, sacrificing my health to try to make this business a go. And you're telling me I owe a quarter million dollars in taxes, but I only have $30,000 in the bank account. And he kind of laughed and said, yeah, you know, if I had a nickel every time I heard that, I said, well, wait, well, like, you know, this doesn't work. He's like, well, you know, death and taxes. And I thought, well, wait a minute. When all the doctors were saying nothing could be done for my mom. I was able to figure that out. And thousands of patients in addition to her that we've been able to figure out and help when all the other doctors said nothing could be done. And so I started my next career about six, seven years ago was in the financial sector. And now we help people through our mentorship program and we teach and educate how to reduce your taxes by upwards of 96%. So our big thing is, you know, how can we help entrepreneurs be successful scale with less complexity, and really be able to, when they start to become successful, even before then, have the right structures and the right systems in place so they can actually keep what they're making and instead reinvest that money back into their team, their family, research and development, new ventures, et cetera, and really making the world a better place. Isn't it crazy how with everything that you've done, right, especially as healthcare professionals who are solving problems and especially in holistic healthcare where like you and many other people, they're solving like the world's greatest health problems and yet you're getting screwed the most. And you're like, hold up, like, <laughs> this isn't fun anymore. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, what the, f what is this? Yeah, I think that's great. I can't tell you how many times 
that I've spoken with somebody and they come to me because they say, oh my gosh, I'm paying so much in taxes. And this one gal, it really hit home when she said, gosh, you know, Thaddeus, I'm a millionaire, meaning, you know, I make a million dollars, but I sure as hell don't feel like a millionaire in terms of how hard I'm working and how much money that I'm making on the front end serving my clients. And I really love that. But then at the end of the day, maybe I'm bringing home a quarter million dollars, but then after taxes, I may be looking at maybe 150,000 and I'm paying so much in taxes to run a business like that, 150,000, I may seem like a lot to the average person, but you know, for how hard they're working, like it's not really that much money. And that money goes really quick when you're trying to grow and scale a business. Yeah, exactly. And even, so my dad's actually a holistic health care professional as well. And he always says the same thing. He's like, I'm doing, and his words, I'm doing God's work, but it doesn't feel like it. (laughs) Because it's like, he's like, I'd rather maybe in some cases have just gone back to corporate and dealt with maybe some of the easier ways of taxes kind of just being naturally taken out of your salary, which does suck, but it's sometimes not as bad as being in the business space, at least before knowing what you know about taxes, right? Just saying right at the get-go. Well, look at this. So there's two things I hope people take away from this. Number one is what I call the rule of six. And the rule of six is this. If you're a business owner and you have a 25% profit margin and you have a 35% tax bracket, which is the average business owner, for every dollar that you save in taxes, that's the equivalent of six times top-line revenue. So let's say this. If you're able to save $100,000 in taxes, that's no different than if I came to you and said, Gabby, I'm going to bring you $600,000 of revenue. But most entrepreneurs and business owners, they focus so much on acquiring new clients and selling more of their products and services that they completely miss the boat on it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. So the rule of six states for every dollar, it really is six times your energy. So if you if you understand the tax code, just like the wealthy do, or you surround yourself with the right playmates on the right playgrounds of people that understand the tax code, you're going to get a six times return on your investment. Now, if you eliminate your taxes, that's arguably the equivalent of adding 50% to your top line revenue. You know, let's just say you're making a million dollars. And if you're able to eliminate your taxes, you've essentially just almost overnight, you've done the equivalent of now increasing from a million to 1.5 revenue. That's how powerful it is when you understand the tax game. So that'd be number one, is really understanding the rule of six. And number two, and I think this really hits home for me, is that money, I think we need to have a fundamental shift of how we look at money. And the second thing would be this. The average person, if you're paying 30 to 35% in taxes, the average person, that means that they are waking up every single day to an alarm and they're going to work January, February, March, and April. They're working every single day just to pay their taxes. And this could be time that they could be spending on new projects, growing their team, investing in taking care of their family, and so many other things that most people don't realize. This is that second thing that I really want to drive home is that so many people don't realize that they're spending about a third of their life working just to pay taxes. And that's their life. I mean, you know, it's like they say, you know, what's the one thing in the world that's infinite? There's an abundant resource of it, but it's finite and you can't get more of it. And that's time. You know, in time, time goes on forever, but our time is very limited. And so to me, money that you're paying in taxes, that represents your life. It's your time that you're never going to get back. And the wealthy people, they understand this. It's no secret that, you know, people that understand the tax game, they understand it, they don't pay taxes. And so one of my goals is to help educate and instill people the idea that when they make a million bucks, they should be able to keep a million bucks. So that sounds all great and dandy, right? Everyone wants to be tax-free and actually make all the money that they've actually made. But like, how do you even do that? Because that just to me sounds like another person on the internet who's like full of shit and they're trying to get you to, (laughs) like, it doesn't seem realistic, which please prove me wrong. And I know you will, but just for the people listening who are like, yeah, another person, you know, what's the rundown with taxes? Sure. hundred percent. And I agree. And I feel the same way. And I felt the same way, right? I mean, we've all heard it, death and taxes, right? I mean, it's a mantra. So I look at it from several angles. Number one is look at what the masses are doing and do the opposite. Most of us are wrong about most things most of the time, myself included, on things that we aren't experts in. What what is it called? The Dunning-Kruger effect, you know, where we, we get a little bit of information and we think we know a lot. And then the deeper we get into a subject, the more we realize the less that we know. So I look at what the masses are doing and do the opposite. So it really is the aspect of most people are wrong about how to be a healthy weight. Most of us are wrong about what, you know, in terms of the taxes. Most of us are wrong about 
most people's products and services in terms of what they are and what they really do. I look at that number one and I say, okay, if someone else is doing this, if someone else has reduced or limited their taxes, rather than saying, oh, you can't do that, I take a step back and I suspend my disbelief for a moment and I try to use first principles thinking and say, okay, so if someone else is doing this, what are they doing? How are they doing it? And could I do the same? Now, you can use this for anything in life, right? I want to be in the MBA. Okay, well, other people are doing it. So what did they do to get there? Well, you you know, you probably need to be this tall. You probably need to go to the gym these many times. You probably need to be around these people. You probably need to go to these basketball boot camps or whatever. Like if you want to be in the NBA, there's a formula to that. And that's the same for everything else, whether it's losing weight, whether it's being a successful business owner, whether it's reducing or eliminating your taxes, there's a formula. So let's talk about some of those formulas. This is a real simple way, a real simple way that most people can get their mind around. Now, there's a lot more advanced ways and other ways to do it, but this is a real simple way to do it. It's an approach called cash flow arbitrage. Let me say this. The wealthy people, they know the power of borrowing from appreciating assets. Now, that's a fancy way of saying you're zeroing out your taxes and then you're borrowing money. And before people say, well, gosh, I'm borrowing money and their brain starts going down that whole path. Well, we have to realize that wealthy people understand this. Wealthy people do this process. So before you throw in the proverbial mental towel, hear me out on this. I'll just use a real simple example. And that is, let's say that you had $100,000 of taxable income, right? So you're looking at $100,000 that you're going to pay taxes on. There's two ways to do it. Number one is, let's say you find something that you need for your business or that you want to invest in. I like real estate, for instance. Now, you could use this $100,000 to hire a key team member or to you know do a whole host of things. But let's just say real estate because I think it's a pretty easy example. You buy a piece of real estate, you use that $100,000, and usually... You should be able to do most properties, if you're strategic, you should be able to do anywhere from 10 to 20% down. So with that, you should be able to buy a piece of real estate anywhere from half a million to a million dollars, okay? And you have this piece of property. Now, right off the bat, you can use what's called accelerated depreciation through a cost segregation study, which basically means if you bought a building for a half a million dollars, which means right there, you could arguably reduce your taxes by almost a quarter million dollars right off the bat. So right there, you've just acquired a half a million dollar asset, and you've now been able to reduce your taxes by a quarter million dollars. That's number one. The second thing is what I like to call the rule of 10. Now, what's the rule of 10? The rule of 10 states that when you buy a piece of real estate, on average, now this doesn't count for cycles and so forth, but historically, if we take a blended average, what that means is in 10 years, you'll have your original purchase price in equity. Said another way, if you were to buy a $500,000 piece of real estate, let's say you bought a $500,000 fourplex or a duplex or something like that, or a single family home. What that means is that in 10 years, when you look at appreciation and when you look at principal reduction of your original mortgage, you're going to have half a million dollars of equity in that property in 10 years or less. So I just took $100,000 and I just generated half a million dollars and I eliminated my taxes. And what you can do now is as that equity grows in that property, you know, obviously you're going to be raising the rents over the years because everything is going up. You know, electric goes up, water goes up, taxes goes up, everything goes up. So you keep raising the rents to be in step with market value so you can pay for the property. But the nice thing is, is that your mortgage payment does not go up. So what happens is you're getting better cash flow every year with the property. Now, there comes a time where then you have enough equity that you do what's called a cash out refinance. You pull that money out and now you have that money out tax-free. Why? Because loans are not taxed. And the new loan that you have, because you've been raising the rents, it'll cover the new loan on the property. So doing that, that's a real basic strategy of you've zeroed out your taxes on the front end, you've acquired a half a million to a million dollar asset, and you've now created, in 10 years, you've created 500000 to a million dollars of tax-free revenue which now you look in hindsight, let's say you did that for 500,000 to a million dollars. Now you divide that by 10. That means that by doing this strategy, you've created every single year, 50 to $100,000 every single year for the rest of your life, completely 100% tax-free forever. So I'll say that again. By doing this strategy, you've zeroed out your taxes and you've simultaneously created 50 to $100,000 every single year for the rest of your life. And I've done this multiple times with multiple properties, and I've helped countless other people do this. So it's a very simple, basic, common strategy of how people reduce and eliminate their taxes for good.
I love that. But I'm wondering for the people who like, even the concept of purchasing real estate, right? They're like just starting in business. They're like, haven't even hit the six figures, like, you know, all of that stuff. How can they either reap the rewards of not paying as much taxes? Or do you have any suggestions on how to make it so that they actually make the hundred thousand so that they can reap those rewards from the cash flow arbitrage? hundred percent. I'm going to say two things on that. So I'm going to push back on you just a little bit here, Gabby. And that is that for me, I like to buy real estate with little to no money out of my pocket. So for instance, I bought a $1.6 million building for $10,000. So even if you don't have $100,000 sitting in, the, in your bank account, you can still do this if you understand the game. And people may say, well, Thaddeus, how do you do that? So real briefly, I went to a bank and I said, hey, I want you to pay for 75% of the loan. They said, great. I said, I want the seller to pay for 25% of the loan. Are you okay with that? And they said, yeah. So I went back to the seller and I said, look, I'll buy your property at your price. I just want my terms. The bank's going to give you 75% and I want you to carry the down payment at 25% and I'll pay you off in about five to six years. They said, great. So I only had to put in $10,000 on a $1.6 million building and it cash flowed $2,000 a month. So I've been getting $2,000 a month for the last six years on that property that I've turned around and used to pay for my Tesla car payment every month. And now I just refinanced it and it's already went up to $2.5 million. So I was able to pull out several hundreds of thousands of dollars this last year. So my $10,000 has turned into hundreds of thousands of dollars tax-free. So it's not so much about using the traditional numbers because you can be really creative with it. So that's just one strategy I'll share. But the beauty of that is that $1.6 million I was able to drastically reduce my taxes because I was able to do a, you know, accelerated depreciation and drastically reduce that. So that would be one strategy. And there's a lot more. And I teach a lot on real estate and so forth. So that, that'd be one aspect. But for the average person, there's a lot of other things out there, right? And some of these people have probably heard of, but you either rent your home office or you use the Augusta rule where you rent your home to yourself, essentially, and you get to take the write-off tax-free or you get to take the income tax-free from that. Um, a lot of people, if they have kids, I believe the age is age seven to 22. The threshold for filing taxes is around $12,000. So meaning that if you have a, a child that's age seven to 22, you can pay them 12 grand a year and that money is completely tax-free. So if you have two kids, let's just do some quick math. If you have two kids, that's $24,000 a year that you can save completely tax-free. So $24,000 a year times 15 years, that's $360,000 right there. So every year you should be able to deduct, for every kid, you can deduct $12,000 from ages 7 to 22 from your taxes and you're paying that to them or putting it in their college fund or whatever it is, and that money is completely tax-free. So you get to reduce your tax liability. Now, you, you want to document it. You want to have your kids doing something for the business and just, just notate and document what it is. And it needs to be reasonable and specific, you know. So if you have a seven-year-old, you need to be saying that they're like, that they're taking out the trash or washing windows or something. You know, if you have a 15-year-old, you could say, hey, they're helping with me with my online social media platform or whatever it is. So just document something. So those are some of the common and less common ways that people that are just starting out, that they can use those resources just by understanding how they can start reducing their taxes. And then making sure that they're partnering with a CPA firm that will grow with them. We have a lot of firms that we work with and that we refer people to, depending on where they're at, so that they can start getting with a firm that will grow with them and help them so that when they are looking at that tax bill, they're ahead of the game and they're not playing catch up. Yeah, or in a panic. Because <laughs> I think also it, what you had just described really like reminds people that there are options and that you can get really creative, like finding creative solutions from a tax perspective that is legal, you know, just in a way that hasn't been really spoken about. And that's the point, right? It's not spoken about. It's not used by the masses, which is why most people don't use it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing, right? I, you know, most of us are inflicted with a little bit of DRD or Dave Ramsey disease. So, you know, a lot of us out there, we come from these generations. You got to think, you know, our parents were taught by our grandparents who, you know, went through World War II and there's remnants of the Great Depression. And those experiences, they get imprinted and they get taught to the next generation through values and through perspectives. And so we have this idea that, number one, debt is bad, and number two, that it's really hard to make it in business. Well, it doesn't have to be if you do the right things and you understand the money game because half of the game is, is being able to keep the money that you're actually making. But I don't know the exact number, but I think maybe only, you know, only 5% of the population or so really has the stomach to even be an entrepreneur. So when you look at that, you got to think that 95% of the people out there, that if you're not surrounded with the right playmates and the right playgrounds, 
there's a 95% chance just if you throw the dart at the wall of the people that you're hanging out with, it's very likely that those people are not going to be thinking the way that you want to think. They're not going to be growing you. They're not going to be elevating you in the way that you want and need to be elevated as the rock star that you are within the entrepreneurial space because 95% of the population doesn't resonate and they don't get what it's like. So why would you take advice from them? Thank you. Because <laughs> I feel like I talk to this about everyone where they're like, they're getting relationship advice from someone who hasn't had a successful relationship or like business advice from someone who's never started a business. Then like, hold up. Like, do you hear yourself? Like you are not getting it from the, like straight from the source. Like, come on. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, right? It's if I had listened to my parents, I, I should back up. I'm not trying to say anything bad about my parents. My parents are absolutely awesome and amazing. They've been hundred percent supportive in terms of whatever I want to do. However, both my parents were teachers. And if I followed in their footsteps, which is common, right? Because we know, you know, Marshall Goldsmith and a lot of other, you know, psychologists, it's very clear that the single biggest predictor of behavior is environment. So the environment that we put ourselves in is one of the single biggest determinants of who we are. I mean, look at it. One of, if not the single biggest determinant of what religion someone is, is where they're geographically born, which they have no control over. So you gotta think, some of our most deep-seated views and perspectives of the world are nearly entirely shaped just based off of where our seeds were planted. So now, the nice thing is, is that you don't have to be a tree. When your roots are down, you're, that's not it. You can, you can get up and you can move. And that's why I tell people, look, if you wanted to be the world's best crab fisherman, don't go hang out at entrepreneurial conferences and events and retreats. Go to Alaska and surround yourself with the best of the best. But for me, I don't want to be a crab fisherman. For me, I want to be one of the world's best entrepreneurs that's helping solve problems, create more solutions in the world, and making the world a better place and helping more people so they can live the life that they want with who they want, when they want, and how they want. So for me, I'm not going to go spend a lot of time on a crab fishing boat in Alaska. Now, that's a really easy example, but let's think of that more nuanced. What are people watching on social media? Who are they following and who are they not following? You know, I always encourage people, look, be really liberal with the unfollow button in your news feeds because you're going to naturally start gravitating towards that mindset. Like for instance, one of my goals is to build a billion dollar real estate portfolio, right? So I simply went online and said, okay, so billion dollar real estate portfolio. And of course, Grant Cardone came up. Grant Cardone, I think, has maybe four and a half billion dollars of real estate at this point. And I think he was just offered five billion for his portfolio. So I said, okay, so he's figured it out. So how can I be around him? Because if he's doing it, there's probably got to be a way, a formula to this. So how can I do it? And how can I learn from him and shortcut a lot of the mistakes that he's made so I don't do them again? So it was going there. And it took me all about five minutes when I went to his initial workshop on real estate. And I was looking at joining his mastermind group for $25,000. I thought about it for about five minutes. And it came down to this, Gabby. Number one, I said, do I think I'm going to get $25,000 worth of value out of this? Well, let's think about this. Do I think that there's at least one relationship in there that could make me $25,000? Well, yep. Do I think that I'm going to learn at least one bit of information that could help me make an additional $25,000 on a real estate deal? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I already know that I can turn $10,000 into $900,000 in five years. So I already know that I can do that with real estate. And so I know that if I even hone that even more, it would be a huge win. So it took me about five minutes to decide that I wanted to write the check for 25 grand and I joined the group. Now, here's the thing. When we talk about putting yourself in the right situation and leaving, and I'm not saying that, that you can't be friends with them, but it's looking at the relationships that got you to where you are are likely not gonna be the relationships that are gonna get you to where you wanna go. And that's in terms of how you spend your time, the podcast you listen to, all of these things. So I showed up and I was at the first workshop. I really leaned in. I was listening, answering questions. And there was this one question that I answered that apparently got Grant's attention. And he said in front of the whole group, he said, you can tell by, and he was referencing me, he's like talking to the group about me, you know, in front of this, about two, 300 people. He said, you can tell by the way he asks questions that he has a, a significant amount of intelligence based on his business experience. And I thought, well, that was a pretty good compliment from Grant Cardone, who's, you know, worth over, you know, several billion dollars. And it was amazing how many people then started coming up to us afterwards. Now, if I had been in Alaska, you know, to follow that same vein, that same story, there's no way I would have even had that opportunity, right? So I just had to put myself in the situation. Now, it gets better though, Gabby. I was sitting there and I get a tap on my shoulder a little bit before lunchtime. And I look over and it's one of his team members. 
And his team member says, this is from Grant. It's a folded piece of paper. So I take the piece of paper and I look at my partner and, and we look at each other and kind of kind of a little confused, like, okay, well, well, what is this, right? So we take the piece of paper and we, you know, it's in the middle of the conference, you know, so people are up there talking. And so we kind of slowly open the piece of paper and it says, GC would like to have a private lunch with you. Please come to the back of the room and the staff will direct you at lunchtime. We went on to have a private lunch with Grant and about six other high-level entrepreneurs. And we walked into the room. And this is what Grant said in this small little private room where we had lunch with them. He said, I don't know who you guys are, but I have a good sniffer and I can smell money and success when I see it. So I don't know who you guys are, but I know that I want to know who you are and what you're up to because I'm all about creating relationships. So I want to learn more about you guys. Proceeded to have uh, over an hour lunch of talking and sharing and getting to know each other and building the beginning of some great relationships. Now, since then, I've had a couple other conversations with Grant. It's been wonderful and his team and so forth. Now, time will tell what that turns into, but to even have that opportunity, you know, again, I never would have had that if I was sitting in Alaska on the dock with my thumb out waiting for a ride. So you got to put yourself in, in the right situations to start learning these things and really just look at it. And I would say this, look at who's already doing what you want to do and then figure out how can I get as close to that source as I can as soon as I can. That will up-level you faster than anything else. Yeah. I, so many gold nuggets that you dropped during that story as well as just like sprinkling all these other things. But I tell this to people all the time. Like if you're not hanging out with people who you like aspire or look up to, like they're not really, <laughs> you should be hanging out with them, right? If you're saying you want to, especially for my corporate quitters, number one, a lot of them are like, I don't want to invest the money in a course or this and that. I'm already like red flag. Like if you're not willing to invest money and time into learning something, you've already failed. But also if you're not willing to change your friend group and cut people out who are dragging you down, because it happens, we've all had it and I still have it. And I need to still cut people out. You are never going to get where you need to go. It's just, I'm sorry. It's just, it's energy. It's, it's a real science. It's a thing. And you know, Gabby, I love what you just said there because for me, it's it really is, it's first principle thinking. It really is just asking yourself the simple questions and it's taking the emotional aspect out of it once you've made the emotional front end decision. And I say this, we all make decisions based on emotion and then we justify it with logic. So it's good to have emotion in the beginning and then you need to sequester that and then focus on the logic. Meaning that for me, it was, okay, I'm going to go into natural healthcare because I want to save my mom's life. You know, and I kind of did the seven levels of why exercise. Why is that important? Well, I really love my mom. Well, so why is it important to save her life? Well, I want to be around with her for, for as long as I can. You know, so it's really getting to that reason. Okay, so now it's clear. I'm going into natural healthcare because I want to save my mom's life. Now, logically, what are the steps I need to do? Okay, number one, I need to find the chiropractic schools. And, you know, number one, and number two, I need to apply. Number three, I need to find out where I'm going to be living if I get accepted. Then it's very sequential afterwards. And it really came down to, that was one of the things was, a lot of my friends were, wait, you're moving all the way across the country. You know, you're moving from Oregon to Florida to go to chiropractic school and you're going to be there for four years. Oh my gosh. And part of me was sad. Yeah. I'm leaving my friends. But at the same time, I looked at what my friends were doing at that time. And I knew that, that if I really wanted to get to the next level, I was going to have to leave those friends. I couldn't still remain friends, but I had to get to the next level. I mean, look at Elon Musk. How many people from high school is Elon Musk probably still hanging out with on a regular basis on the weekend? Probably not. Now, it depends on what kind of lifestyle you want. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with staying where you're at and doing what you want if you're happy with where you're at. For me, I want to help more people. I want to continue to grow. I want to make a bigger dent in the world. I want to fulfill my, what I believe to be my purpose, my mission, my passion. You know, So I get excited about that. And I realize that we really get to choose our suffering. You know, We either choose our suffering and our suffering meaning that we, because there is suffering, right, of oftentimes of the pain of maybe severing some relationships or we're not spending as much time with them or whatever the case is. But it's either choosing that suffering now or suffering is going to choose us later when we're looking back and we're thinking, man, you know what? I just didn't quite reach up to my potential and I really could have made a bigger influence in the world and I really could have changed a lot more lives and I really could have felt much more fulfilled. Now, again, if you're 100% fulfilled where you're at right now, then that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you really wanted to push out there, you're going to have to choose your suffering. Either you got to break ties with old habits and you got to find the right and the new playgrounds and the new playmates. I would say that most people are listening right now to the show are probably in the place of some sort of suffering, right? They're not happy with where they are, which is why they're listening about how to quit corporate. But I do love how you 
reiterated the fact of suffering because it's either you're going to suffer up front for a risk right now that's really important and really aligned with your goals, or you're going to suffer later with regret and fear. And it's going to be even worse in the way of fear too, because you didn't do what you wanted to do and you've lost time. But I want to kind of talk about risk a bit because talking about you moving across the country to not only pursue chiropractic, but then right doing the, I'm sure purchasing your first investment property was also a risk and right doing all these things. So like, how can you embrace risk when we've been conditioned to play it safe? Like always. Yeah. For me, it's really easy. And I'm not saying other people need to do this, but it's a great exercise is for me, it's find out what your bottom line is, find out where your basement is. So for me, I could lose everything. And as long as I still had my health, I'm fine. Now I can say that because I've been there, right? I mean, my parents lived in a tent for several years. And here's the thing, Gabby, I still do that. Most people don't realize. So, so I, I have about 140 acre ranch that we're in the process of remodeling and it was supposed to be finished. So I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do is because I really wanted to spend time on the ranch because it's just beautiful and I love it is I put a camper out there and I lived in the camper for about five months on the ranch with a blue porta potty. I, I was literally taking a shit in a blue porta potty. <laughs> and here I am with millions of dollars of real estate. I had so many of my friends that were laughing at me. They're like, wait, 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 that is you own how many millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars of real estate, and you're taking a shit in a porta potty and you're living in a trailer that you don't have, you know, you have you have limited <laughs> water and all this stuff. I said, yeah, because I don't care about all the other shit. Like I, I don't care about all the glamorous stuff. I really do it because I love it and I'm not married to the process as much as I am the end result. Now, it's funny because the house didn't get finished in time and we're still working on the house, but then winter came. So I said, okay, you know, I'm not, I don't want to live in the camper anymore. So I know this kind of sounds funny, but then I bought, I think it was like a 13,000 square foot French chateau. So that's actually where I'm recording this right now. It's a French chateau. It, it looks like a castle. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I had one of my assistants, she messaged me one day. It was so funny. She makes me food. So, so that way I can save time. So I don't have to make dinner all the time. I mean, I really love to cook, but a lot of times she'll make meals for me. And so it's so funny because she was bringing me some food and she, she texted me and she said, because I had just moved out of the camper into, into the chateau and she texted me and she said, so are you, are you at the camper or are you at the castle? And then she messaged me back. She said, I can't believe I just had to text you that. And, uh, you know, maybe if it works, maybe I'll post a picture somewhere. People can see what I'm talking about. It's a beautiful, beautiful estate. Um, absolutely amazing. But the reason I share that is because, like, I don't care if I'm living in a French chateau or if I'm living in a camper. I don't really care. So my tolerance for risk is extremely high. That's number one, because it's really looking at what's the fear of not winning and balancing that, right? So if you, or, or the risk rather, the risk and the fear, because we know that there's a significant amount of risk of sitting and doing nothing. I mean, if you sit and do nothing, I mean, where are you going to be when you're when you're 50 or 60? You're going to be working the rest of your life. And you, when you retire, you're not going to have money for emergencies. You're not going to have money to do what you want, when you want, with who you want. You won't be able to take care of your family as, as good, et cetera. You know, there's a great Jim Carrey commencement speech where he talks about his father worked at the same job for, I think, 50 years because he was afraid to really go out on his own and make his way in the world. And I'd encourage people to go listen to that. It's, it's, a, it's a great speech. And after 50 years, the company went under and his dad was fired and had to let go. And I don't think got a pension or anything like that. So here he was trying to, quote unquote, play it safe and arguably failed. So if you can fail playing it safe, why not go for the moon and go for what you really want to knowing that you may fail as well. But but here's the thing. When you put yourself in that situation, I found time and time again that the world starts to happen for you, not to you. And if you lean into it, and it really is, you know, the, the more hands you shake, the more money you make. You know, life is a contact sport. If you go for it, you start meeting people, talking to people, connecting with people. I mean, Gabby, even how you and I got connected was just leaning into it. There's things that you don't even know, you don't know, you don't know that are going to start happening and start to come up, relationships, connections, ideas, concepts, business deals, et cetera, opportunities that you can't even fathom that will start popping up and showing up. Just like for me, right? Being able to connect with Grant Cardone, I never knew that was going to happen, but it sure as hell wasn't going to happen if I was in Alaska, right? So it's just leaning into it, feeling the fear, doing it anyways, and realizing that you can lose it all doing nothing and you can lose it all doing, doing everything. And it just depends on where you want to put that risk. So there's risk with everything. And I would say there's more risk with trying to play it quote unquote safe. I, I think it's actually safer and less riskier 
leaning into life and going forward in that venture and that thing that's in your gut that's just kind of pulling at you, it's tugging at you, and you know in the back of your mind you think, gosh, I need to do this. I, I want to do this. I should be doing this. I could be doing this. That pull that you have, I really think that we need to listen to that. Otherwise, what's the point? You're going to you know wake up one day when you're 60 or 70 and you look back and think, gosh, so that's what it was all for, to play it safe and not really make a dent in the world? Yeah. That I feel like at this point, I mean, I'm only 28, but that in itself is scary to like look back and be like, I regret a whole entire lifetime. That's terrifying. More so than like maybe being broke for a month as I figure my shit out or like this launch not working or a client being unhappy. Like they're just so insignificant, small pieces, right? It's a moment in time as opposed to a decade or I should say a century of a lifetime. Yeah. Well, I will. I mean, look at successful people. I mean, here's the thing. I know for me, and this is an exercise I had one of my mentors do with me years ago, and I thought it was great, is he said, go through your life and write down and keep track of the things that you're looking at that are either transformative, transformative moments, or transformative people. And when you look at those transformative moments or transformative people, I'm willing to bet that you'll be able to find that those were significant forks in the road for you. Meaning that I look back at some moments where I was actually starting to make some money and I decided, you know what? It's it's delayed gratification. And whoever has the biggest delayed gratification or willingness to step into that is likely going to have the biggest win. And I remember when I finally started making money after years, years and years, right? So four years of college, four years of chiropractic school, four years of working as an associate. And I was finally opened up my first clinic. So I was out of high school for 12 years. So I was almost 30 years old now. And I finally started actually making what I would consider to be money. I was making about 13 grand a month. And I thought, well, this is great. I quote unquote made it, right? And I thought, well, you know what? I can kind of just do this now for the rest of my life. But I thought, you know what, Thaddeus? I know there's another level I want to be at. What I did was I hired another practitioner for about 10 grand a month. So then my income dropped from 13 grand to about three grand a month. And I told myself, do I think that if I had all my free time back, do I think that I could generate at least 10 grand a month uh, additional revenue? And I thought about it for about five minutes. And I thought, I don't know how, but I'm confident that I'll figure it out because I know that there's other people doing it. So I got to be able to figure this out. And I know if they can do it, I can do this. So it took me about five minutes to make the decision of saying, okay, so yes, I'm going to take a pay cut myself and I'm going to essentially buy back my time you know, my 40 to 80 hours a week. So I'm only making three grand now, but now I have all my free time. And now I can work on the business as opposed to in the business. And I look back and that definitely was a transformative moment and a fork in the path that led to where I am now, to where now my net worth is going up by more than that every day. So it's multiples that, that pale in comparison when you look at the power of compounding. And the power of compounding is, you know, look like a lot of zeros in the beginning, but then you get to a point of where your net worth and your value, you know, wh whether I work or not every day, my net worth is going up far more than what it was then that I gave up. But I know a lot of my colleagues, and there's nothing wrong with it, a lot of my colleagues, they started making good money and they just felt good enough and that was okay for them. They weren't willing to kind of take that step back to take 10 steps forward. And I think it's a Tony Robbins line where he said, you know, our fate is decided. And our destiny is decided in moments of decisions. And whenever you're faced with a decision, that right there is going to determine your future. And so many of us have such broken ways of evaluating opportunities and the future and where we want to go because we let emotion filter into our day-to-day -day decisions as opposed to letting emotion be in our initial guiding force in terms of what we want to accomplish and do and then letting logic follow as a result of that. Yeah, I agree. I have been trying to really tone it down from an emotional perspective because that's usually how I operate when it comes to, you know, actually making decisions right from an intuition perspective and then the logic follows suits. But it can sometimes be really daunting to try to shut it down when it's like raging at you. But I want to switch gears a little bit because you talked a little bit about through this entire conversation, right? Investing in yourself, putting yourself around people who are closest to the source, right? Building out your network, talking about like taking risk and all of these things. So I know you have a really special event coming up in Puerto Rico that I want to give some time for you to share because I think for some people who are listening, who are really open to the idea of expanding their network and in a way that's really, really affordable, this could be that thing. So can you talk about your retreat a little bit? Yeah. So what we've done is, 
we, we have our annual retreat. It's coming up April 25th through the 28th in beautiful, in the Caribbean, right in Puerto Rico. We've reserved an entire resort right on the cliffs of the Caribbean, where on one end you're looking out into the Caribbean. Uh, it's absolutely just beautiful, gorgeous. And then on the backside is you're looking up at the rainforest, El Yunque, the national park. It's just absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous, lush, warm, beautiful setting where we're going to have some of the top speakers. We're going to have Bobby and Sophia Castro, which have, I think, a three to $400 million real estate portfolio. Natasha Graziano, which is one of the world's top motivational women's leadership mentors and coaches. And then the one and only Gary V. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is going to be there. I don't know how many people know about Gary V, but uh, you know he made $91 million in 90 days when he did his NFT launch. And he went from not knowing NFTs to doing that in about eight months. So, I mean, most people know Gary V. I mean, he, he sees around corners and he's so well connected. And I just feel so blessed that we're going to be able to, to I, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think this might be one of his last and final public speaking events outside of his own events where you need to have an NFT to even hear him speak. So we get the opportunity to hear him speak and we're going to gonna be able to do a, a Q&A with them and actually even get pictures with them. So for people that are attending, there's an opportunity for that there. So it really what it is, is it's three days, again, April 25th through the 28th, and we're covering all different things about how to scale and grow a self-managing, self-multiplying company uh, with the least amount of headaches so that you can do what you want, when you want, with who you want, and you have the freedom of time. It's how to build a team, how to create tax-free wealth. And one of the big promises is how to add a million dollars of tax-free wealth in the next 12 months with about 20 to 40 hours of time invested. Uh, we're going to talk about how to acquire real estate with no money out of pocket, how all things, the metaverse, crypto, Web3. So it's a whole smorgasbord of all different things of where the world is. Because as you know, Gabby, uh, and the people listening to this, that the world is speeding up at an exponential rate. So to me, I can either take the time and go to try to learn all those things on my own, or I can surround myself with all these experts and collapse time in my learning process. And I can have all these experts come in that really share the best of the best strategies, approaches, and what's coming next and to what to be prepared for in the coming weeks and months and years. I mean, I was at a conference, gosh, I don't know how many years ago, but I was at this really high-level conference when I first heard about blockchain. And that was far before Bitcoin or anything else, before that was mainstream or anywhere close to it. So it's these types of conferences and retreats that I love to go to. And so I'm just hosting one to really hang out again with the right playmates and the right playgrounds. So it'll be a 10 to 100x return on investment in terms of the relationships that will be created, in terms of the value. And I really believe even, even the money that will be saved in taxes by learning some of the strategies and just the ability to grow your net worth. So yeah, if that's if they're interested in that, we're happy to. I know you and I were talking about you know maybe giving out some guest passes to some of your listeners. I know we, we can't obviously give out a ton, but you know maybe we can do like a you know some of the first people that apply or reach out or something. Maybe we can give out like a handful of guest passes just for people that are listening as a thank you or something. That'd be great. Yeah, I know a lot of my corporate quitters, myself included, would always appreciate getting a uh, easy pass to go to Puerto Rico and build my network. So I think that would be really really awesome. But I love that you're doing that too because I think a lot of people have been not only dying to travel, right? Because a lot of events in person have stopped for a very long time, but also this mass exodus of people leaving corporate, they're dying to connect with the right people. They're dying to learn these things about taxes and arbitrage and just like everything, right? About business. And so not only being in the room with the right people, but learning actual tangible skills in an amazing location, it's like a three for one, you know? So thank you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember another transformative uh, moment in person was, I think you're going to like this, was I went to this conference one time and the speaker said, let me ask you guys a question. Everybody that's here right now, that you're not making money right now because you're here at this conference, raise your hand. And my hand and about 80% of the room's hands went up. He said, okay, great. Now, how many people here, and this was healthcare providers specifically, he said, how many people here are still making money and their practice is still open while they're here at this conference. And about 20% of the people's hands went up. He said, all right, guys, so look around. That's the difference between the people that have a business versus those that have a practice. And the light bulb went off. I said, okay, this guy is obviously onto something. He knows more than I do. So 
here's the thing. I was making three grand a month gross income. So my gross income at the time, when I was just starting out, was around three grand a month. And I was living in a little 800 square foot house with my girlfriend at the time. Again, my baseline's really low. I was living in an 800 square foot home. The first piece of property I'd ever bought, I did everything wrong. Uh, you know, I put way too much money down. You know, I could go down the whole list of what, of how I use that now when I teach about how to acquire a million dollars of real estate with no money out of pocket. Uh, when I teach my workshops now on that, I use that as a perfect example of what not to do. It's, it's great. So I had a little 800 square foot house, no garage. The house was so tiny and so the layout was so poor. So here's the thing. It was 800 square foot house, but it was designed to be a handicap accessible house. So the rooms were really tiny and all the hallways were really big. So it was this, the halls were almost as big as the room. It was really awkward layout. Just everything in it was just didn't make sense. I mean, it was great when my girlfriend and I were living there at the time, but here's the thing. We had to move the dining room table, open the front door, let guests in, then close the front door and then move the dining room table back to the middle of the room. Just if we were going to have guests over. So that gives you an idea of how tiny it was. So I hired this guy. I was making three grand a month. I hired this guy, Gabby, for, I'm just going to quiz you. This was years ago, but guess how much I hired him for, for one day of his time? Like a VIP day, uh, like maybe eight grand. I'm, I'm impressed. I paid him eight grand for one day of his time, plus I had to pay lodging and trans travel expenses. So I, I was all in probably like 95, let's just call it 10 grand all in with travel expenses, et cetera. So I paid him 10 grand for one day of his time when I was only making three grand. So again, he came out, we opened the door, he came in, we closed the door, we put the dining room table back in the little room and we sat and we workshopped all day long. And that was one of the most pivotal moments of my life because I was you know, willing to pay, which meant I was gonna pay attention. And uh, it fostered a relationship that we've had ever since. And actually, it's interesting now because the gentleman now, he and I are still good friends. And it's interesting because every so often, he'll actually reach out to me now for advice because I've just kind of kept going with it. I've surrounded myself with even bigger playmates and bigger playgrounds. He reaches out to me now sometimes for advice. So it was a beautiful relationship. It still is a beautiful relationship. But I share that because, gosh, like, I mean, what about the risk there? I mean, how many people do you know that they are saying, oh my gosh, I only make three grand a month. There's no way I can afford to hire someone for 10K. Well, I can tell you tons of people that have that mindset <laughs> like and there's no nothing one. wrong with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've done stuff like that and people think I'm crazy. Yeah. But, but here's the thing though. You don't have to do that. And there's a lot of other ways to do it. You know, you can learn a lot for free on YouTube and so forth. But I know this, that when you pay, you pay attention. I'm not saying that you need to stretch yourself that thin, but that's the kind of person I was because I'm willing to get to the next level. And now I look at where I'm at and I look back and I look at are all the ingredients of the recipe of my success that it took to get where I'm at. And it was all just part of it, right? I mean, bottom line is you got to do your pushups. No one can do your pushups for you. So there comes a time where you have to get out there and you have to do your own pushups and you got to make it happen and you got to lean in. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to hurt, but, but you got to do it anyways, right? And I think that's the difference. I mean, winners and successful people work their asses off and they still are afraid or they're thinking that they're doing too little. People that aren't successful, they do just a little bit and wonder why they're not winning more. And winners really think like, gosh, they bust their ass. They think, gosh, maybe I'm not doing enough. And I think that's it. It's, it's really looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, what are you willing to do? What do you want to do? I'm not saying that you have to, you know, live life on a razor's edge or, you know, walk along the edge of the cliff, but I'm willing to bet that all of us have some blocks, some mental blocks or some mental conversations that we put up and we block ourselves intentionally or unintentionally that if we took a step back, we can look at and realize that it's not serving us. And I think one of the ways to do that is to do a quick self-assessment is to really be honest and to look at your bank account because your bank account is a lagging indicator of your habits and your ability around finances. Look at your health. Look at your weight. That is a lagging indicator of your habits around health. So just be honest about where you're at and what got you there and then look at where you want to go and then be honest about what it's going to take to get there. And then ask yourself, am I willing to do that? Am I willing to do those push-ups where it's going to hurt and those push-ups are going to hurt? And there's going to be times where I'm not going to want to wake up in the morning or I want to sleep in, which is fine. You can do that. But am I willing to play it safe, which I think is more risky? Or am I willing to lean in and go further because of I want a bigger, better, brighter future, ultimately, where I can do what I want, when I want, with who I want, take care of my family, take care of my friends, and you know I can work or not work and still have my net worth and my income continue to go up.
Damn, so many gold nuggets you just dropped right there. <laughs> but yeah, so many, so many great things that you just said. And I hope everyone who's listening really takes that. If, if any gold nuggets from this entire thing, they take that as a final send off of like, you just have to do the work. Like that's really what it comes down to. Just keep hustling forward. You know, you have to do what other people aren't willing to do to get to where other people aren't willing to go. So on that note, <laughs> where can people find you, Thaddeus, if they want to connect with you, if they want to, you know, take part in the retreat, if they're interested in cash flow arbitrage or any of those things? Yeah, great question. So they can follow me either on TikTok or Instagram or, you know, Facebook, that, you know, all that. Um, they can find me as Thaddeus Gala just to search there. Or they can go to our website, The Guardians Alliance. So theguardiansalliance.com. They um, they can get information there about, about our annual retreat. Contact us for more information. They can learn about more about cash flow arbitrage, etc. And they can find all the uh, all the goodies on there. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really really appreciate it. I uh, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from this. Absolutely. Thank you so so much for having me. I just absolutely it's been great. I love what you're doing. And if I can help in any way, of course, let me know. And I, I think maybe I would just maybe kind of close with this. And that's success does leave clues. You know, I heard people say that when I was starting my entrepreneurial journey, and I thought, okay, well, there's something to that. But now that I have, you know, rearview mirror ROI, I have the opportunity and the luxury to look back. And I would encourage people to do this. Look back over your life and find out what were the moments and the, uh, the decisions that I made that were transformative for me. And I'm willing to bet that there were times that were a little bit uncomfortable or really uncomfortable, and you decided to push forward anyways whether it's surrounding yourself with somebody or a group or an organization or a mindset, you know, find, find the success leaves clues. It really does. So, you know, you can work hard in the wrong direction or surround yourself with the right people. So when you're working hard, you're ideally going in the right direction. So you can either be pushing towards that proverbial crab fishing boat, or you want to be in the MBA or the best at business or your product or service, whatever it is, you know, get as close to the source as you can of someone that's already doing it. And you will naturally start to become that person yourself. Spoken like a true business owner who's actually been successful. (laughs) That was great. But thank you again so much for coming on, Thaddeus. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, happy to help however I can. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.